0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to Dr. J's Path to Success podcast. Dr. James Fetish is a successful practice owner, best-selling author, and speaker. Listen in as he shares his secrets to a successful business and a successful life. So now, here's Dr. J.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. We have a special guest this week. This is Dr. Tyson Franklin. Dr. Franklin was actually listening to the show and reached out to me, and he is a podiatrist over in Australia. And this is a really similar story to myself with building a successful podiatry practice, building it up, and then being an author and mentor coach, and he's also a podcast host as well. Uh, Podiatrists and chiropractic, a very similar type of specialty where we're not you know, always the same as the, on the same level as the MD, sometimes a little more challenging than other specialties, so we always have a pretty similar mindset. A good friend of mine is a podiatrist, uh, kind of similar similar backgrounds and stories as chiropractors. But Dr. Tyson, why don't you start at the beginning? Tell us about you know going to school and starting up your podiatry practice over in it, overseas.
2: Okay, yeah, well, so I, yeah, I live in Australia and I live in North Queensland, up in Cairns. I uh, I graduated from podiatry in 1988 from uh, Queensland University of Technology down in Brisbane, and yeah, it was one of those things that. Even when I was a student, I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. I just uh, always I had a gift for business, I think it was. And so when I was looking for different job opportunities when I first graduated, there was nothing that really sort of fulfilled what I was after. So I thought, I'm going to have to just start working for myself straight away. And that's pretty much what I did. And my goal was always to be better. So no matter what my business was doing, I just... I would go to conferences, I would look at things overseas. I visited America numerous times, just looking for ideas that we didn't have here that I could take on board, make my business better, and just kept pushing it from there so yeah, and then thirty years later um, I was still cool. involved in the profession, but just in a in a different way
1: yeah that's good good stuff so yeah most of us chiropractors, uh, chiropractor podiatrists we like to Two things interesting, we like to kind of do things the hard way. You know, they said if you wanted it to be easy, you'd be a medical doctor or dentist. So it's chiropractors and podiatrists usually take the more challenging route, and there's a reason for that. We enjoy the challenge. And uh, another interesting Dr. Tyson said in there was, you know, just not really being employable. So most of it, you know, not wanting to work for somebody else. I've always said I'm pretty unemployable. I don't think anybody would want me working for them. I really got a, that entrepreneurial spirit, and I really couldn't imagine working for anybody but myself. Um, so I think Dr. Tyson's on the same board there. So tell us how you started the practice and you built it up to quite a successful practice there and then uh, we'll get into some more of that story.
2: Okay, well, when I first kicked it off, by, um, I, I always believed in not uh, overextending yourself financially. So my, my first practice was, was quite small and it was all within my budget. And, and it's something that I, when I do coaching for, for people, I always tell them that, that you, if there's a chair that you can purchase for $50, and it looks just as good as a chair that's $400. Just buy the $50 chair for now. You can get the $400 chair later. So I started small, stayed within my budget, and then as the profits started coming in, I constantly just kept reinvesting it back into my business. And I always, I read something very early on, and it said, yeah, always take a percentage of your, your earnings and put it back into marketing. And as your earnings increase, increase your marketing. And as your earnings increase, just keep repeating it and i did that over a 30-year period and originally my my practice was on the gold coast uh, in southeast queensland and and the reason i set up there and it, it was it was in my book was um it was my comfort zone because i grew up down around the gold coast area i was a bit frightened about actually leaving where i was really comfortable and to to two and a half years into work I had a hand problem I saw, I'll call it a hand injury it was a hand injury it was, it's easy to explain it as a hand injury and I couldn't work for 12 months that practice I had to sell I was forced to sell it and yeah not on my terms and I um, was talking to one of the lecturers at university I said oh, I'm thinking about starting work again And he said go where nobody else wants to go it was almost like a Star Trek episode And 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 I said, "Oh, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, yeah, like say Cairns, for example." He said, "There's one podiatrist in Cairns. There's 100,000 people that live there, and one podiatrist." So I went up there for a drive, and 26 years later, I I still live there. So, and when I got there, there was one podiatrist, and I just from day one of actually having my practice, business just boomed. And it wasn't because I knew more than I did when I was on the Gold Coast. It just I'd found a location that had a real need. I'd found a market that needed podiatry, needed to be serviced, and and I was there. And the the business kept growing from there. Over the years, more and more people um, came to the area. I think there's like 15 podiatrists there now. But it it was one of those things, getting out of your comfort zone is probably one of the best things I ever did.
1: Yeah, some really, really good nuggets in there that Dr. Tyson went over. So I want to reiterate some of those things. So one of the first things you said, talking about used equipment, and I kind of have the same story. You know, people see now I have this 4,000-square-foot, really nice office, but, uh, you know, I started 650-square-foot. I painted it myself and cheap carpets, and I did most of the work myself and bought all used equipment. I drove around to every chiropractor on the East Coast buying crappy old equipment from them. and You know, so I'm on the same board with my clients. You know, we tell them to come start slow. I went from 600 to 1400, 2,000. You know, now we're 4,000. So, great point there. Uh, Another great point he made, too, about the marketing dollars. I want people to miss over that. So, you know, there's got to be that marketing spend. People don't want to spend on marketing. And what he was kind of talking about there is it is a percentage and you need to spend where you want to be. So if you're the practice doing 600 and you want to do 800, you need to spend the marketing dollars to get to that next level. And whatever percentage of collections, like you said, that goes up as the practice goes up. You know, you don't spend $10,000 a year marketing, a $100,000 a year practice, and a million dollar a year practice. That marketing spend needs to go up in proportion. A lot of docs uh, don't do that as well. Then uh, I love the last point, go where no one else. So I kind of had that happen to me by accident. The area where I'm practicing in, there's, there's like a big hospital system out here, and they're closer. I'm only 40, 50 miles from New York City, but hosp- most of their hospitals are a little closer to the city, and all the young docs want to be closer to the city, whether it's the medical docs, for I eye chiropractor, all of them. Um, so the area where I'm at is a little bit further out, and the doctors just don't want to come out here as much. They want to be a little closer to the action in the city, and it's, it's just been a really great place to practice, and not just for myself, you know, other specialists in town. So it's a really, really important point. You know, that goes, again, like you said, this all goes for every kind of business. This isn't just practice. Yeah, if you want to open up a yoga studio on the street with 10 other yoga studios, just because you like that street, it's probably not, you know, a great idea uh, for sure. Um, so that was really some really good nuggets. Hope everybody picked up on that. And the next thing I, you know, Dr. Tyson, I've actually kicked around and, and gone pretty far down the road of uh, thinking about franchising my practice and kind of been discouraged from the, uh, the bad stuff I've heard. It's, it's very difficult. And it can be very difficult to franchise. And uh, I know, especially in healthcare, it's more challenging with, like you said, the personality issues and, and just the, a lot of issues. Yeah. But Dr. Tyson tried to do the franchise route. I'd love to hear a little bit about that because I've kind of kicked that around for years as well. So tell us about franchising your business.
2: Okay, but it was one of those things that I'd I had the idea and I hadn't had, really heard anybody else talking about it, but I I bumped into a guy who was someone who helped businesses franchise. And I was just talking to him about podiatry and he said, maybe you could franchise podiatry. And I said, oh, I haven't actually thought about it. And so it was one of those things that, I was talking with my wife, and she said, look, if you don't do it, you're always going to be sit back, sitting back wondering. Yeah, If somebody else down the track does it successfully, you're going to think, I had that idea 10 years ago, I, sh- I should have done it. So I dove in, worked with this uh, company, wrote all my systems, had all my manuals done, everything was perfect, bang, set up the first franchise, and it went It went by it was it was great. Then I set up the second one, it went absolutely fantastic as well. Except the third one, it didn't go quite as well. The the I'm sure the person that um, that bought the franchise I almost had two lists. Here's a list of all the things you should do and here's a list of all the things you shouldn't do. And I'm pretty sure they <laughs> read the wrong list. <laughs> they did they they did everything I told them not to do. They spent money in areas I told them not to spend money and they didn't listen to me. And and that's what I realized with franchising and when it comes into the health industry, the other part that I noticed is one person who set up a franchise was very much into like alternative health, yoga and that that type of lifestyle. And that was where she really wanted to take her practice. The other guy who wasn't listening to me, he was right into running and he wanted to set up this really nice running clinic. But all of a sudden we've got hang on, I've got a successful business model here that is sort of um Caters for all those areas, but not really specific in any one. So I started feeling that, wow, franchising in the healthcare industry, I'm actually restricting people's skill set. If they've really got an interest in a certain area, they can't really run with it if they're part of the franchise. Otherwise, we all have to do it because the idea of a franchise, you buy a burger there, it's going to be the same burger yeah, in another town. So I, it just it, all of a sudden, it just didn't start feeling comfortable with me. So I ended up selling them all and went back to just having like one big practice and then I just put my whole mindset into that practice. And what's probably interesting is my main practice probably doubled its turnover within 18 months of not doing franchising. And I was probably making more money just having the one practice than what I did when we had five franchises going at one time.
1: Yeah, some really, some interesting points in there for sure. And, yeah, I think with chiropractic and podiatrists and some of these other specialties, and a lot of entrepreneurs, is, like we said earlier, there's independent-minded, and, and we're in this profession because you are independent-minded, and then you yeah, trying to fit that into a franchise system can be pretty difficult. But another story on that, if, uh, I know the local owner of the Gold Gym franchise, and he, he started with one gym. Yeah, I'm just going to say ballpark numbers, but he's collecting, say, a million dollars a year out of that, putting 200 into his pocket, yeah. and then he goes and opens two more gyms thinking he's going to have three gyms doing a million putting 200 in each pocket of each one but now he has three gyms doing 700 and he's putting you know 85 100 in these pockets from each one and doing you know three times the work for not much more net at the end of the day he's actually really struggling with one of them so yeah it's not always ideal having multiple practices okay I've, I've had a little satellite offices here and there and you divide your attention up a lot of times into multiple businesses. It's it's pretty difficult to, to do that as well. So, yeah, some good lessons there. I'm glad you did the did the work and not me because I've kicked it around for years. And, and now I'm glad I, glad I heard the story of how it worked out for you because it's kind of similar to here. Uh, tell us a little bit about healthcare well, over in Australia. So a lot of us are U.S. listeners. Tell us a little bit about what it's like practicing over there. Is it insurance? How does it all that work over there?
2: It's quite funny because I, I go to America every year and I spend a, a fair bit of time with – and one of my – best friend is a chiropractor in uh, North Carolina and uh, so Brent Siever, if you listen to this there's a shout out to you and <laughs> he, um, but, when, but when I talk to, to him and uh, my podiatry friends over there yeah the healthcare system is different so in Australia um, we yeah, majority 50% of people will have uh, health insurance and but we don't we don't wait for the health insurers to pay us. People pay on the day of the visit. So if somebody walks into my, my business and and whatever service they're going to have is, is worth $100, they will pay that $100 before they leave. So they either pay with cash or, or credit card or they'll give us their health fund card. And We have a little machine called the high caps machine. And we swipe the health fund card and we're paid on the day from the insurer. And that seems to be something oh, well. I don't think happens in America.
1: No, you're waiting uh, quite a long time. Yeah, interesting. You ask you. I interviewed yeah. a doctor the other day in Canada, and you know how their system's all. It's just so different all over the world. It's just interesting. Everybody's got their challenges. You know, no systems are perfect. You know, this doc in uh, in Canada, yeah, the other day, you told you know, it was pretty good as a doctor, and then uh, you know he was a patient as well, unfortunately. But then he came to the U.S. And, and couldn't believe the bill you get from the emergency room visit when this kid hurt himself. So <laughs> you yeah, know, there's pros and cons to every system, yeah. I guess, out there.
2: But it's certainly not always yeah, the other yeah, yeah, the other good part about our system is everybody, everybody's wage, I think it's 1% or 1.5% of our wages, goes in what we call Medicare, which is like a government uh, yeah, hospital service. So I can walk into any public hospital with or without insurance. They don't even ask me, and it's free. So hmm. this, that's something that, yeah, we, we don't have these massive, big... So if if I fell over and, and uh, hurt myself, broke my arm, I'll go straight to the emergency department. It's all taken care of and I don't pay anything. So oh, that's nice. a good Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, we're still trying to figure it out here in the US. There. I don't think yeah. I don't think it's gotten much better lately
1: around here. It seems to be uh we need we need some improving yet still in our country for sure.
2: But that's what makes the country interesting. That that it's yeah. that different.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why I like asking that question. It's just so different everywhere you go. And even Canada, when I was talking, I have some other friends there and it's the, different provinces like which are states to us is uh, different in different states basically up there which is totally interesting as well and uh, one of the other things i thought was really interesting about dr tyson he he sold several practices and he had some investment uh people come after him to buy his practice out so i do get that question an awful lot about buying practices one interesting things in the states is that it's hard to get financing for young docs to buy the practice and there's a little bit of this movement toward these investors buying practices uh, as well. So I'd really like to hear your story about selling your practice out to these Shark Tank people.
2: Yeah, so uh yeah, so in Australia uh one of the one of the guys on the Shark Tank uh got together with a couple of other podiatrists and they've been going around the country buying up uh practices. So they I had a like a breakfast meeting with them and they were just super interested in, in buying my practice and I said, Yeah it's not really for sale and they go, no, oh, everything's for sale, you've got to have a price it for <laughs> the price, well I can tell you what I'm not going to tell you what it is because in my head, I'm thinking no one would pay me what I think this clinic is worth. You know, <laughs> after all the blood, sweat and tears that go into it, I'm thinking no one will ever pay me the amount of money that I think it's worth. And they paid me exactly what I thought it was worth. <laughs> and um, so I signed on the dotted line uh, pretty quickly. What was interesting is my son's a podiatrist so he now works at my old clinic, uh, which is quite funny. And But the other the point that... I really point yeah like to stress to people. As soon as you set your practice up, you should be setting your practice up or your business, whatever it is, for sale from day dot. Always have it in sale mode. So if somebody came along, so and that was the advantage I had when the shark yeah when the guy from the Shark Tank and the group came and saw me, and I I I had everything there as though I was already prepared to sell it because. To me, I think it just gets you, it gets you in the right mindset to always make sure your business is running at peak performance in case somebody came along and offered you uh, a great amount of money. You then don't have to haggle. back They can see how good the business is. That's
1: probably where a lot of that franchise work paid off for you, right? Because you've already done the manuals and you had the procedures written out, and that's what investors want to see. I'm sure that they were impressed by all that work you did. So I guess that paid off probably at the
2: sale price, correct? yeah and they wanted to know yeah how can you be turning yeah how can you be turning over what you turned over with such few staff and I said it's because I've got amazing systems in place so and all those systems developed when I was doing the the franchising, so that's why I have no regrets doing the franchising because it it taught me about writing systems, and then even when I decided not to do that, I still kept working on my systems in the business, and that's that's what gave the, the business value was. I could show them how everything ran and was all documented. Um, they didn't really take it all on board, but um, <laughs> it affected the apart a little bit.
1: Yeah, a couple false. Yes, that's a great point. You know, I I do talk to this with docs all the time. A lot of docs have a have a really good job. You know, they make good money and they have a really good job, but they don't really have a real business that anybody would want to purchase. You know, even if you're collecting a high volume and you're a solo doc with a couple staff and you have no systems in place, you know, there's nothing to sell there when you leave the business is gone so you really just got yourself a good job so you know you got to set up those systems office manual and it's a lot of work i'm sure doc would agree i've done it all here we have flow charts for everything in the office and office manual i wrote and policy manuals and you know all that's a lot a lot of legwork but you know it's got a the office has got to run without you you know if i don't show up tomorrow things are going to run just fine here without me and and most docs don't do that so setting up those systems is really 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 important and i follow up how's the practice yeah. running
2: since you sold it oh go ahead and then tell us how it's doing now oh, um, I, you know what, what I was gonna say was just that the other advantage by clinic had is when they came to purchase it it wasn't based on me because I had other people working there I I wasn't really working too much as a podiatrist myself everything ran pretty much uh, without me but yeah since they've taken it over um, no it's it's not running uh, anywhere near as well as what it was because they've got their own thoughts and ideas on how things should be done and they've implemented those ideas, but it's it's now different. And probably the biggest thing they changed was the amount of ma- money that I used to put into marketing. They they really they, they've cut back on their marketing, which surprised me.
1: Yeah, it's the first thing they like to cut, but it should be the last thing, right, that you cut is the marketing budget. That's like when the economy is bad and everyone cuts their marketing, that's when you should be spending more to get more market share. But it's kind of counterintuitive. Like yeah. Most people buy stocks when they're high and they sell them when they're low, and they're supposed to do the opposite, right? Yeah,
2: people don't yeah, want to follow. But like with my market it used to be well with my marketing, when we were yeah, quiet, I was marketing. When we were really busy, I was still marketing I was doing the same amount of marketing even when we were busy. It was just this consistent marketing plan that I put in place so even when it got busy, I thought I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop while it's busy, just keep doing it and therefore I never really had a quiet period. It was just the business is always progressing and, and going upwards.
1: That's, one, that's a great point, too, everybody. I mean, that's one of the things I preach to my coaching clients as well. You know, we have a marketing calendar for the whole year. It's planned out for the year. There's promotions going on every month, marketing every single month. But what most docs do, like you were saying, is we market, we get busy, and then we don't market because we're busy, and then they get slowed down, so we market. And I kind of call that the practice roller coaster where we're up and down and you're never really getting anywhere. But if you're consistently promoting your business, it doesn't just have to be a practice. You know, it's just continually growing. I think mine. We just said that we I've gone up twenty percent every year for fourteen years straight or more. You know, we every year it's just gone up. We haven't had a flat year, down year. You know, it's twenty percent every year after year of just steady growth, and that's that's the real way to do it. So, Doctor Tyson, tell us a little bit about your book and your coaching program, and then uh, we'll get some more information for people to get in touch with you. Okay. Well,
2: I've got two books. The first book I wrote, uh, 2014. Was it's no secret there's money in podiatry. So if somebody's a podiatrist, it's an ideal book to, re- to to read because it's it's written with a podiatry mindset. But you could take the word podiatry out and you could put any profession in there, and majority of the book would would actually apply. But last year I went back and I took out everything to do with podiatry, added in three more years of experience. Pumped it full of steroids, and I sort of re-released it under the name. It's no secret there's money in small business, so that it sort of catered, sort of covered more. Whether you're a lawyer, a chiropractor, or a hairdresser, the, the book would sort of suit everybody when they actually read it. And then from there, yeah, now I just do yeah, a lot of personal one-on-one coaching. And uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm in. Uh, I'm on the Gold Coast at the moment, actually. Uh, as we speak, because I'm at a conference, at a dental conference, mm-hmm. so I've started doing some um like coaching outside of the podiatry profession.
1: Nice, yeah, I love that twist on the book because my my book's pretty much the same thing, and we kind of have the same story where you're doing well, and people ask you for help, and, and want to come see what you're doing, and you know, there's only so much you can do. And just like you, I wrote the wrote the book to help some more docs, and and uh, you know, like this podcast isn't just for docs. There's a lot of business people listening that I help as well. And, same thing, you know, people always want to say, like Dan Kennedy always says, you know, oh, but my business is different, and, you know, really it's not, and that was a good point you brought up, you know, take out work advice, you put in something else, and it's, you know, it's it's all the same, people want to say it isn't, but I love the move making your book, you know, more generalized to a general audience, I think I might have to uh, get more info on, you know, from that personally, and uh, do the same with my book, but you're right, it all applies in different ways, but um, we're going to wrap up here, how do, we, how do people get a hold of you, Dr. Tyson, give us your websites and some of your information, and uh, go from there.
2: Yeah, but if people want to get hold of me, uh, yeah, my website is tysonfranklin.com, dot com, so it's nice and easy to find. Uh, I'm on Facebook just under Tyson E Franklin, the same on uh, LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. It's Tyson Franklin sixty six, and they can also you yeah, can hunt me down through my podcast, which is um, it's no secret with Doctor T, which covers or it's about it's a small business podcast as well, very similar to your, to your own.
1: Nice. Well, great. Well, thanks for having on, Dr. Tyson. Some great some great lessons for everybody out there. I mean, some great stuff. I mean, Dr. Tyson and I are really on the same page on almost all this, and a pretty interesting, very similar stories in a lot of ways, even though we're halfway across the world from each other. But, uh, so yeah, always good stuff. Get in touch with Dr. Tyson if you need anything, and uh, thanks for having coming
2: on the show, Dr. Tyson. No, this has been awesome, Dr. J. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, thanks, Doc.
0: Thanks for listening to Dr. J's Path to Success podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. For information, please visit drjamesfetish.com. Dr. James R. Fetish, Clinic Director at Village Family Clinic. His book, Secrets of a Million Dollar Clinic, is available on Amazon and online at hackettstownfamilyclinic.com or drjamesfetish.com. www.drjamesfetish.com.